What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. Now, as many of you may remember from a bonus episode a few weeks ago, our lead researcher, Gabe Luzier, was in studio with us here in Atlanta. And he was here a few days, and something weird happened during that visit. And I felt like you should all know <laughs> about this. So we just left the office. We were all headed to dinner. And Mango throws out this fact about little Debbie. And then <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, you can't just throw that out there and not share the fact. So, right. so uh, let, let me just share it with the audience. So basically, unlike Aunt Jemima or Joe Isuzu, who were pure marketing inventions and, and like the ideas of copywriters, little Debbie was actually a real person. And she was the granddaughter of the company's founder. And what's strange is that her granddad used her image without her parents' permission and her parents were pissed about I it. I bet they were. <laughs> yeah, and of course, years later, she became an exec at the company, and, and so it all worked out. That's all you have to do to make somebody <laughs> happy. All right, so that was the fact that Mango shared with us. I thought it was a good fact. And, and, and so Gabe then made a comment about how many interesting facts are just sitting on the shelves of the grocery store, and we just happened to be passing a Kroger on our way to dinner. So that gives Mango an idea. And now, I should preface this by saying we're talking about the same mango that so many listeners have described as always sounding happy. And many of them have said, I feel like I can hear him smiling. But what they don't know is just how competitive mango can be. So mango just says, pull over. (laughs) I didn't say that. I think I said something like, I've got an idea. Can we pull into this parking lot? (laughs) Well, I don't know if that's how you said it. And in fact, we have Gabe with us here on the line. So, so, So Gabe, can you back me up a little on this one? Well, I mean, I think he might have said, I've got an idea, but yeah, the way he said it sounded urgent and stern enough that it seemed we should probably pull over. That's true. It's true. Any, anyway, Mango then explains his idea. So so we'd each walk to the middle of the grocery store, and he said this with such a serious face. We knew this was something <laughs> very real. And so then after saying one, two, three, go, 
We'd all have 60 seconds to run to different parts of the store, take pictures of three items that we then wanted to share facts about, but we'd have to be back in the center aisle before the 60 seconds was up. And if we were late, he said we'd be disqualified and he didn't even want to hear our facts. <laughs> Again, I, I didn't say any of that. <laughs> Dave, back me up here. <laughs> we're getting kind of confrontational. Don't put me in the middle of this, guys. <laughs> I, I really, I don't remember what he said exactly, but let's just say this was definitely a side of mango I hadn't before the man was ready to compete <laughs> all right so so before i could even ask questions or confirm whether it was one two three and then we could go on three or whether it was one two three go i feel like mango just screamed go and then i found myself running like a <laughs> madman all around the store it took me a few seconds to remember what we were actually trying to do but so here's what you need to know. The facts from this episode are the results of that 60-second dash. So now that you know who to thank or blame for this one, let's get started. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. Okay, so we talked about this ridiculous game that Mango put us up to, and for some reason, Gabe and I agreed to. So we each pulled three facts from the grocery store, and uh, Gabe is our lead researcher. We're going to let you start off first. I can't even actually remember which direction you ran. I was so focused on my first stop. So, so, so what did you find first? Right, so I made a beeline for the candy aisle and came away with this big bag of Jelly Belly Jelly Beans. And I did that because I knew they would give me a chance to share some ridiculous facts about one of the most notorious Jelly Bean fans, none other than our 40th president, Mr. Ronald Reagan. That's right. And, yeah, it's, it's no secret at this point that Reagan loved Jelly Beans, but I don't think most people know that he was particularly passionate about Jelly Bellies. And, I mean, through this arrangement he had with the company, he actually began receiving 24-pound shipments every month during his time as governor of California, which, if you do the math, is about 10,200 beans every 30 days. (laughs) That is insane. I'd I'd heard that Reagan was a big fan of jelly beans. Mango, I'm assuming you'd Mm -hmm, heard that as well. But I didn't know that it was especially jelly bellies, and I didn't realize the quantities of these. But So why did he like them so much anyway? Well, yeah, he, he first started eating them when he quit smoking in the early 60s, so they served a practical purpose, you know, beyond simple snacking. But Reagan also seemed to appreciate jelly beans as some kind of litmus test for the people he met. So this one time he said, quote, You can tell a lot about a fella's character by whether he picks out all of one color or just grabs a handful. <laughs> I'm curious what you, what you learned by that, but, but anyway, that's great. Yeah, so as weird as all this sounds, uh, the Gipper's Jelly Belly love affair wouldn't reach peak insanity until he made it to the Oval Office. So, for instance, the company created a new blueberry-flavored jelly bean for his inauguration back in 81, and they distributed more than three tons of them to the attendees. And it only got crazier from there. So Reagan upped his standing order to a staggering 720 bags per month and over 306,000 jelly beans. And he had those distributed among the White House, Capitol Hill, and a few other federal buildings every month. And he even stocked the beans on Air Force One, where he kept them in a specially designed jelly bean holder that wouldn't spill during turbulence. Of course. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So 
you know, plenty of Americans continue to honor President Reagan in all kinds of ways, but I think the most fitting one is this portrait of him made from 10,000 Jelly Belly jelly beans that hangs in his presidential library in Simi Valley, California. Oh, that's pretty incredible. Well, you got us off to a good start with your first fact. Mango, you want to you wanna take the next one? Yeah, so I, I just went to the High Museum exhibit of Warhol in Atlanta. From, and, from aisle seven? <laughs> no, but I went oh, a couple other time. Ago. Okay. And honestly, if you haven't gone, it is amazing. And I'm not even that big a Warhol fan, but seeing like all these giant mouths together on the purple wallpaper that Warhol had designed for the Paris exhibition, I mean, it is incredible. But, um, of, of course. So when I passed the Campbell's soup cans, I, I knew I had to snap a shot. And, and there are a couple of things I love about the Campbell's soup series. Like the first is that Warhol loved the soup and how consistent every flavor was. Like he actually appreciated that tomato soup always tastes like the same tomato soup, which kind of plays a role in the arts philosophy. And I also love that uh, he, he hated that Campbell's discontinued some of the soups. Like, he made a portrait of all the 32 soups he could find at the time, but he actually wished that they still made his favorite soup, which was called Mock Turtle. What is that? <laughs> I know. It's apparently a, a Campbell's soup that was supposed to taste like turtle soup, but uh, and it's popular in London. But <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not a mock turtle neck. No, no. But uh, here's my actual fact about the series. Uh, so in a book called I'll Be Your Mirror, which is a collection of Andy Warhol interviews, Warhol gripes that despite everything he did for Campbell's, they never sent him a single can of free soup. And he genuinely loved the product. <laughs> it is kind of weird that they didn't send him some. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. Actually, I had another fact that I was going to start with, but I, I do have a Warhol connection in one of my facts. All right. And, and I'll get to that connection in, in just a second. But you know I had to run as quickly as I could to the Pop-Tart section. I know <laughs> this wouldn't surprise you, Mango. So so Mango knows this about our family. But every year we go on a beach trip in the summer. And that's the one week of the year that my wife, Georgia, allows the kids and me to eat as many Pop-Tarts as we want. Otherwise, we're <laughs> never allowed to have Pop-Tarts in the house. And so we'll buy like 10 or 15 boxes of these things to try all the different flavors, all the nasty new ones, but just for the <laughs> sake of trying them. But here's the weird thing I learned about Pop-Tarts recently. So Kellogg actually wasn't really planning to make them. But in 1964, their biggest competitor, Post, announced it was planning to release this new fruity pastry. It didn't have to be refrigerated. It could keep for months or even for years. But after the announcement, Post made two huge mistakes before they released it. So there's this fun article on Thrillist about this, which you should definitely check out. But the two big mistakes were, one, they took way too long to get the recipe down and actually get the product out to market. And so it gave Kellogg time to figure out a very similar product. Then the other big mistake, and this one is just baffling to me, is they decided to call the pastries – are you ready for this name? It's called Country Squares. I mean, how <laughs> great is that? I mean, we're talking about the oh. 1960s when the word square would have definitely meant something negative. No one had wanted to buy something like this. And so they tried to recover and rename them Toastums, but the damage had definitely been done and Pop-Tarts were born. And now, as for the connection to Warhol, they definitely wanted to come up with something that was – uh, you know, that, that felt more hip than what, uh, than what Post had done. And uh, Warhol was big at the time, and so they decided to call these things Pop-Tarts. Oh, that's pop awesome. Art. So, so pretty <laughs> interesting. All right. Well, Gabe, let's go back to you. Actually, I think I ran into you on this aisle because I was also planning to try to get to a serial fact, but I'm pretty sure you were doing something at the same time. Did you end up getting a serial fact? Uh, yep, I did. Um, so, you know, like most people who grew up with Saturday morning cartoons, breakfast cereal holds a special place in my heart. 
and in my pantry. So, you know, it, <laughs> I like that it, it line. It can be tough sometimes. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But it can be tough sometimes trying to choose which cereal to buy, but I found that picking which cereal to share fun facts about is even harder. And that's because there's just so many good ones out there. Yeah. But I am a kid at heart, so, you know, I had to go with one of my childhood favorites, Lucky Charms. Oh, good call. And <laughs> Lucky Charms has been around since the early 60s, and this was back when a product developer named John Hollihan first hit upon the idea of combining Cheerios with bits of circus peanuts. You know, those squishy orange marshmallows made to look like peanuts. Do I? That's like one of my top ten favorite candies, which most <laughs> people find nasty, which is just even better for me because oh, I get well. to eat them. Well, the design of the Lucky Charms marshmallows have actually changed a good deal along the way. So the pink heart is actually the only original marshmallow shape still in use today. Um, but here's the really crazy part. According to a press release from 2008, each of the marshmallow bits, or mar-bits, as the company <laughs> officially calls them, uh, those are actually meant to represent one of Lucky the Leprechaun's magic powers. So the heart marshmallows grant him the power to bring things to life, and the rainbows allow him to travel instantaneously from place to place. Wow. I, I don't know about you, Mango, but I feel like I have those kinds of powers mm -hmm. after I ate a bowl of, <laughs> bowl of Lucky Charms. All right, another good fact. Wow, Gabe, I'd say you're probably in the lead so far. So, Mango, what do you, uh, what do you have next? So because I can't get away from canned foods, I also had to snap a pic of Chef Boyardee. And and just like Little Debbie, what's amazing to me is that the chef was a real person and actually an amazing chef. Like Hector Boyardee came to the States as a kid and started working in kitchens at age 11. And by age 17, he was a fixture at the Plaza Hotel. And and here's the most amazing part. He actually catered Woodrow Wilson's wedding. Oh, wow. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty great. Well, somebody that did not cater Woodrow Wilson's wedding, and I was disappointed to learn was not a real person, and that's Betty Crocker, unfortunately. <laughs> this is really disappointing to me, but she was actually created by General Mills in the 20s because of all these questions that were coming in from customers. So there was an employee there named Agnes White, and she was one of the test recipe creators and cookbook writers, and she ended up portraying Betty in these radio ads anonymously, and she en ended up even starting a show where they had this kind of test kitchen and, and advice column that they gave to their listeners, and she was the host of that as Betty Crocker. But my favorite fact is that despite not being a real person, there was a survey from Fortune magazine that found Betty to be the second most admired woman in America after Eleanor Roosevelt, of course, who was the first lady. At That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. All right, Gabe, it's time for your last fact. Don't disappoint us. You've been great so far. What do you got next? All right, so as a self-professed French fry fiend, I have to go with a personal favorite this last time and talk about Heinz ketchup. Okay. So my favorite, my favorite Heinz ketchup facts have to do with the iconic 57 varieties logo you find on their ketchup bottles. So the number itself was the idea of the company's founder, Henry Heinz. In 1892, he was riding a train through New York City when he spotted a sign advertising 21 styles of shoes. So he just really latched on to this idea of advertising an oddly specific number of products. So <laughs> he adopted the 57 varieties slogan for his own brand, you know, even though the company made something like 60 different products at the time. So the 57 was just a completely made up number. Right, exactly. But there's one last thing about that number I wanted to talk about. On every glass bottle of Heinz ketchup, there's an embossed number 57 on the neck, right where the bottle narrows. And only about 11% of ketchup users know this, but the 57 is a secret sweet spot that can be struck with a knife or fork to help the ketchup pour faster. 
And since ketchup typically pours from a glass bottle at less than 0.1 miles per hour, it's a pretty handy trick. I like that you know the speed that ketchup travels out of the bottle. That's great. <laughs> right. Just, just off the top of my head, yeah. Uh, by the way, do you guys know the difference between ketchup and catsup? No, I've, I've always wondered that. Well, they're spelled and pronounced completely differently. And that's it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they're the exact same product. All right. Well, good deal. I'm glad you didn't lead with that fact. That's good. <laughs> no, good. That's three good facts from you, Gabe. All right, Mango, your last one. You got one more for us? Yeah, definitely. So Will knows I love ramen. After college, when we were waiting tables and didn't have that much money, like I, I basically lived on this stuff. And and so I, I wanted to take a second to talk about Momofuku Ando, who's the inventor of instant noodles and cup noodles. And the story of the founding is amazing. So basically, Japan was pushing American-made bread on its citizens in the late 50s, kind of as the source of sustenance. And, and when Ando asked, why not make noodles, which were more common in the cuisine, basically the response was that the fresh noodle manufacturing couldn't supply and feed the country. So Ando set out to create noodles. And there's this quote in the Japan Times that he said, which I absolutely love, and it's that peace will come to the world when people have enough to eat. And noodles were his contribution to that. So I, I just think that's really sweet. And, and there's so much to say about him. But my favorite fact about ramen and Ando is that he actually established a world instant noodle summit that meets every two years where noodle manufacturers set high standards for instant noodles. So like one of them is that the, the fill two lines on the inside of the cups for like how much water to pour in or, or the produced on dates like that all came from him. But today there are over a hundred billion units of instant noodles sold every year. And the reason you can reliably buy bag and it'll taste good is thanks to Momofuku Ando and his ramen collective. Wow, that is pretty incredible. I, awesome? I feel like as much as we eat at the ramen place downstairs, we've earned a seat at that summit. I feel like we should <laughs> attend the summit. And, and in fact, that is so good. The fact that you've managed to talk about ramen and Chef Boyardee and Warhol all in one episode. I, I don't know about you, Gay, but I feel like we have to give the crown to Mango on this one. Yeah, I mean, after what we saw on that car ride to Kroger, I'm thinking we better try to stay on the side, yeah. <laughs> it's a side you've never seen. Well, I have to admit, it was a lot of fun. I'd be up for doing that again sometime. I, although maybe we, we just were very lucky that we didn't get kicked out of Kroger before we uh, ran around and got our facts. But that was a ton of fun. Hope everybody has enjoyed this. We'll be back tomorrow with a regular episode. But if we've missed any great grocery-related facts that you feel like you need to share with us, you know where to hit us up, part-time genius at HowStuffWorks.com. Or you can call us on our 24-7 fact hotline. It is still 24-7, mm-hmm. right, Mango? Still 24-7. That's excellent. That's one eight four four pt genius We've had a blast hearing from so many of you recently. Uh, but thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. (laughs) Jerry Rowland does the exact producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eves Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Do we, do we forget Jason? Jason who?
Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.